Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we come before you and your word with hearts that desire to be more like you. I pray, Lord, that you would make us receptive to your words, to your thoughts, to what you are doing as we study Mark chapter 5 together. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'd ask for you to turn in your Bibles and read along with me Mark chapter 5. Um, it can be found on page 815 if you're going to use a pew Bible. And we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. They went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Looking at a tortured soul. But you know what's interesting? Mark, in his account of this, makes this man anonymous. In fact, we know who the demon's name is, Legion, because there are many of them, but we don't know who this man is. And it's important to what I want to say this morning that we actually think about that because this man is not anonymous. We do not know his name, but in this town, everyone knew his name. Everyone knew who his parents were. His brothers and sisters probably lived in this town to their embarrassment. His cousins, his uncles, his aunts, his grandparents, his great-grandparents, they knew them all. They knew who this man was. They knew where he grew up, and they knew when he became a tortured soul. This was not just some anonymous person that we're talking about here. This is a person that everybody knew that everybody in the family had to deal with. And that's why they tried to subdue him, to chain him, to somehow get him in a place where he could be tamed. But they could not. But remember that. This, is just, this isn't just a man. This is someone. Someone that everyone in this town actually knew. And so as we keep, continue to read, it said... When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want from me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. He begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feed, feeding on a nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. 
allow us to go into them. Jesus gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the, the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. And then the passage that we're going to focus on mostly this morning is this last section. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. In this passage, there are two groups and one man who each in turn begged for something from Jesus. First, it was a group of demons. There were a bunch of them. They were called legion. We don't know whether there were thousands or hundreds or just scores of ten. Don't really know, but there were a bunch of them. But they begged Jesus. So it says here the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. And Jesus gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The demons begged Jesus, and Jesus said, I will grant that. And then there's a second group that begged Jesus, and that's the people who came out from the town after the pigs were killed. And they begged Jesus to leave. And Jesus actually granted their, left, their wish. He left. And then there's one last person who begged Jesus. He begged Jesus to get into the boat with him. Now, when people say to Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to go where you're going. I want to be like you because you've changed my life. The answer to that is always yes. Yes, absolutely yes. You can follow me. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. That's what I want. I want people to follow me. Except in this situation. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And Jesus said, No, I don't want you to go with me. Sometimes... Following Jesus means that we will be asked to do something that we don't want to do or don't understand. This man wanted to follow Jesus, but he had an idea as to what following Jesus would mean. 
It means getting into the boat and going where Jesus is. Jesus had another idea. This would make a great sermon, except that Tim already preached that sermon three weeks ago. So I'm not going to preach that sermon, but this is another illustration. Tim preached a sermon about a man who was a paralytic who came to Jesus to be healed. And what did Jesus did? He forgave his sins. Because that's what he needed at that time. What this man needed at this time was not to get into the boat with Jesus, but was to go back to his time. So following Jesus can mean different things than what we expected to mean. And for this man to follow Jesus first meant going home to his own people. That's why I wanted to talk about the fact that this was not an anonymous man. When he was healed, everybody in town knew of his past. They knew all of his faults. They knew all of his habits. They knew everything about this man. And it's so much easier to get into the boat and go with Jesus to someplace else where no one knows you so that you can pretend to be somebody that you weren't. Someone who didn't have a past. But that's not what Jesus said here. Jesus said, no, I want you to stay here with the people who think that you're crazy. With the people who know your tortured past. The people who know all of your faults. I want you to go to those people. I want you to go to your own people. To your family. To your friends. To your neighbors. I want you to go to these people. So that you can't pretend to be someone else. They know who you are. And you know, for us, this is exactly the way it is. We're not missionaries to a foreign country. We live in a town, and for some of you, you've lived in this town all of your life. And the people in this town know who you are. You have friends, you have neighbors, you have co-workers. They know who you are. And Jesus doesn't want you to go into the boat someplace else. But maybe someday he would. But right now you're here. And here means to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors. And God wants you to be here and speak about what he has done. And that's what he is saying to us. To follow Jesus means to go to your own town, to your own family, to your own friends, to your neighbors, and to talk about what Jesus has done for you. But to follow Jesus not only means going home to your own people, but it means you have to say something. What is it that you have to say? You have to tell people how much God has done for you. Now this is amazing especially in the church that we have today, especially in the society that we have today. The things that we want to tell other people are thoughts. 
their arguments, there are theology, there are the whole scope of the Bible, New Testament and Old Testament. This is what we have to tell people. Jesus sent this man back to the people at home without any knowledge, without any training, without any experience, but just with a story. The story of what Jesus did for him. That's all that he sent him back for. There was no seminary training, no theology. This person was probably not even a Jew because he lived in a, in a region which was Gentiles, not Jewish, in the land of Decapolis. This was a person who had no training, but he did know something. What did he know? He knew that I was once a man that was bound with chains and I broke them and I know that I once was a madman that was shouting in a tombs area of tombs. I know that I used to be like this. And now I am a man who is sitting there dressed in my right mind. It is a simple story. But it's a story that the people in his hometown can relate to. I know what you used to be like. And you're not like that now. And that is a story that is powerful. That is a story that makes people stand up and look. We think that people are won over to faith in Christ by winning arguments. And I'm not saying that the truth is not important, but it's how you communicate this truth. We think that we win people to Christ by winning arguments with them, by getting to to the place where we know so much that we can convince them to be a Christian, that they would have to concede that we're right and they're wrong. Jesus sent out this man with no message like that. Just a simple story. Telling people how much God has done for you. When did we start thinking that arguments are better than story? I was in the subway in Boston a number of months ago, and we came into one station, and this man got on the, on the train. He had a Bible, and as soon as the door st- closed, he started preaching. He yelled at everybody in the, in the train. He told them how much God loved them. He, no- he told them how much they needed God, they, how much they needed their sins forgiven, and that God was going to forgive their sins. And in three minutes, he gave us the argument. He gave us the truth. And at the end of those three minutes, we came to the next station, the doors opened, and he walked out. I don't think that made a difference to anyone in that train. He spoke the truth. He preached the word of God. He gave that argument. But when those doors closed, 
I agreed with everything you said, but I'm, I'm glad he left. <laughs> I felt uncomfortable. But he spoke the truth. Isn't the truth what we're supposed to p- speak to people? Isn't it what we're supposed to give? In this case, it's a simple story that Jesus wanted to tell the people. What has God done in your life? Christianity doesn't need better arguments. We have thousands, tens of thousands of books telling us what the truth of God is. What we need is better stories. That's the message of this passage. Jesus sent him back to his hometown, to his family, to his friends, to his neighbors, not with lots of arguments, but just a simple story to tell. For this man to follow Jesus means I I tell the story. I've been forgiven. I've felt God's love. I've tried to become more like Christ. I've seen the impossible happen in my life. These are the kinds of things that we can explain to other people as a simple story. For him, it's the last one. I have seen the impossible happen in my life. For us, that may not be one of the stories that we have. It may be that just simply God loves me. I've been forgiven. I've felt God's love. I've tried to live more like Christ. These are the stories, the simple stories that we can tell. And just like this man, God is sending us to those around us with our story to tell to people. But it doesn't stop there. To follow Jesus for this man meant going home to his own people, telling people how much God has done for you. But the last thing is really incredible, telling people about God's mercy. Jesus did not let him get into the boat, but he said, go home to your own people, tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Tell them what Jesus has done for you, but also tell them something about what God's character is. There are two elements to God's character that this man came to understand in just this brief moment of his encounter with Jesus. The first thing was what Tim talked about last week in this passage. He discovered the incredible, awesome power of Jesus that has authority even over demons. But he also discovered that God has mercy for people even as undeserving as him. Of all the people in the town, who deserves to have Jesus come and heal them. The guy yelling in the tombs that cuts himself or the honorable person over here? God sees both. And even though he did not deserve it, God had mercy on him. It was God's unfailing love. 
There are two things in this passage that this man could talk to people about. God's power and God's mercy on him. God's character, he has amazing power and his mercy. And if we look at Psalm 62, verses 11 and 12, we see both of those things here. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love or mercy. And you reward everyone according to what they have done. He could speak to God's power because God's power changed him in an unbelievable way. He could speak to God's mercy because God was merciful to him when he didn't deserve that. There are other passages in the New Testament and the Old Testament that talk about God's mercy. And a lot of them have to do with God's mercy being attentive to who we are. God, I want you to see my state and to do something about that. Later on in Mark, there's a passage where Jesus is coming into a town and there's a blind man. The blind man wants Jesus to get Jesus' attention. And what does he say? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. God, just look at my sorry state. Please notice me. And that's exactly what Jesus did for this person who had demons in him in our passage. God noticed a person who we really don't want to notice at all. Because God sees us in our distress. The psalmist knows all about this. Psalmist said, Have mercy on me, Lord. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. God, notice me. Have mercy on me, because I have sinned against you. Or hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you. Because you answer me. Listen to my cry for mercy. This is what the man could speak about in his simple story. God's mercy. He could hear him, even in the midst of having this demon who took over his whole body. Somehow, somewhere, there was his soul down deep. and God heard it. And he delivered this man from a demon and brought him back to himself. This man can share how God noticed him and had mercy on him. And there was nothing about this man that merited it. You know, it's interesting. If we go back to our home and we share our stories, what God has done for us, how God has been merciful to us. Incredible things happen. What happens when we do this? You look at the very last section, and so the man did go away. And he did begin to tell people in the region of Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. 
And what happened? All the people were amazed. When I was in that subway car, I didn't respond to that person's argument. If I were to make that story, all the people were turned off. But a man who meets Jesus, is changed by Jesus, tells that story to people, to his family, to his friends. They respond to that, and they're amazed. We don't know whether some of them became believers because of it, but we know that they responded to that stories. To that story. Stories are powerful things. Jesus calls us to share with those who are around us about God's mercy, about what God has done for us. But you know, when we think about our story, we think about the story of when we became a believer. So I was once lost, but now I've been found. And that's the story that we're told we should say to people who are unbelievers, those people who don't know Jesus. And that's a good story to tell. But I'm going to add something here. It's not in the text. So that's probably something heretical about that. But I believe that the scripture says that our story continues. Each day there's a story where God meets us where we hear his voice, where we come to him in distress, where we say to God, we need you, and God hears, and God responds. And that becomes part of our story. I see our story as not one event, a static event that happened a long time ago, and we keep telling people over and over what Jesus did years ago or decades ago. That's an important story, and we need to let people know about that. But there are all kinds of stories in our lives, all the way up to our present day, where God is meeting with us, he is changing us, he is helping us. He delivers us, he challenges us, he forgives us, he removes our pride, he makes us humble. We learn often how great and awesome our God is because of things that are happening happening all around us and all the time. God is creating new stories in us all these times. And these are the stories that we need to keep telling our friends, our family, our neighbors, our co-workers, what God is doing through us day by day. In fact, we really should change this to about what God is still doing for us. Not only what he's done for us, but what he is still doing for us. This past week I was in a small group, and the small group leader asked us to do something that I've never been asked to do before in a small group. It was kind of interesting, but he wanted each of us to go around and to make one confession and to also express one desire that we want God for us to do. And when I heard that, I said, whoa, 
this is, this is really heavy. We have to actually confess to one another and talk about our desires. What, what, what am I going to say about that? But you know, as we went around the room, it became an amazing time. We weren't expressing deep, dark things. They were simple things. But they were things about life. Things about, I got angry at somebody. I was selfish. My pride got hurt in some way or another. I didn't want to give in to somebody. Those kinds of things happen to us each day. And as people describe those things, they describe the simple things of life, of living life as a Christian, and all of the things that we experience and we feel and do that we know shouldn't be done. And then you express the fact that God gave you the grace to be forgiven. God gave you the grace to be loved and to feel loved and to love other people. And God gave you the grace to begin to help to change. The exercise became an exercise in story. We actually were telling a story. This is me in distress. And then this is what God did for me. And this is how I've become a more godly person because of that. I think those are the kind of stories, if we're willing to be honest with people about who we are and how God is working in our lives, those are the stories that have powerful effect of people that are around us. And I think you'll find that people will be amazed that one, you're even willing to share that way, and two, wonder how it is that God can be helping you in those ways. Those are the kind of stories that meet people where they're at. That's what Jesus was saying to this man. I don't want you to get in the boat with me but I do want you to follow me. And the way I want you to follow me is to go back to your friends, to your families, to your coworkers, to your neighbors. Tell them what I have done for you. Tell them about my mercy. Tell them your story. That's what God is asking for us to do too. Let's pray together. Father God, when this man 2,000 years ago was told that he couldn't go into the boat with Jesus, I'm sure his emotions were full of wonder, full of confusion, full of fear in what he was asking, what Jesus was asking him to do. We have those emotions. We're afraid to tell people who we really are. We're afraid to describe our stories, and how you have helped us, and how you have caused us to be forgiven, to be loved, to love other people. 
pray, Lord, this morning that you would give us time to reflect on some of the stories, to notice what you're doing in our lives. And that we would be willing to share some of those things with the people who are around us, the people who we cherish the most, the people who are our neighbors and our friends, our co-workers and our family. And that you would bless us and them because of the stories that we have. In the name of Jesus, amen.